to Summer Bays, the unofficial Home and Away podcast brought to you by Clara Kavna, where I take a weekly look at the trials and tribulations of Australia's most beloved surfer town, Summer Bay. Each week I'll do a deep dive into the week's events and discuss dilemmas our characters might find themselves in, like is hiding a criminal from your boyfriend a dumpable offence or is murdering a murderer really a crime? Get ready to feel closer each day to Home and Away. Before I get started, I want to share a top tip to really enhance your Home and Away viewing, and that is no spoilers. It's a total game changer. It'll change how you enjoyed the show. There'll be twists and turns you did not see coming, and all the melodramatic twists and drama is just there to be enjoyed as a surprise to you. Just try it for one week and see, and you can let me know how you get on. You can email the show summerbayspodcast at gmail.com. Tell me how the no spoilers are getting on for you. Or if you have any questions you'd like answered about any of the characters or any history lessons you would want to see. I'm always there if you want to get in touch. Okay, so where do I begin? Jasmine! Oh, this is, I said it on the show last week. This is, I just live for these kind of storylines. There's something so creepy about a woman trying to rob a baby. This, sorry, it starts off so crazy. We started off with Jasmine giving Grace a bath. Then she says, when I'm with Grace, nothing else matters. Then she says, I've no options now that Robbo's gone. Then she says about Grace saying mama for the first time. I'm sorry, this baby is like four, three or four months old. It cannot say mama. And if it did, it was a mistake. It reminds me actually of that episode of Friends where Emma says Gleba and then Ross and Rachel are trying to convince everyone that Gleba is a word. That just made me, oh, it's so weird, Jasmine. What are you doing? And her wanting to put Grace to bed. And like Tori's like, I haven't seen my child. But then Tori's obviously trying to be like really sensitive to the fact that Jasmine has lost her baby. So it's just this kind of like mind game. And then when she vents to Justin being like, I've spent no time with Grace. So Justin's kind of like, okay, yeah, this isn't really right. But talk about overstepping. I just have the creeps. I just... Like when she skips work and then lies to Marilyn and she does a really good acting job because you can almost tell that she doesn't really believe what she's saying when she's lying to Maz, saying that she's not comfortable and Grace's safety, Grace's safety, Grace's safety keeps getting repeated. And you can tell then when she kind of gets her way and Maz is like, okay, I'm sure that's fine. That she's like so relieved that this has happened. And the music, oh my God, it's like really like, dee, 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 dee. it's such good music the way they've done it. It is so, I'm so jittery about it. Oh, it's amazing. And I love how the gossip gals, so we've got Rue, Irene, Leah, Maz, and they're all kind of talking about it. And it, it's not really making any sense. And the kind of cogs start to turn that maybe. Jasmine was completely lying and not being truthful. And also, like, in the grand scheme of things, Jasmine didn't do anything that wrong. It's not like she ran for Stuart's point with the baby or just got in the car and drove off in something hyper dramatic. It's actually like you could 
you can defend Jasmine's case and that's why I love it so much. They're really teetering the balance of what's acceptable and what's not because this is so not. And when Justin burst through the door and Jasmine's like, I was going to tell Tori. No, no, no. That really, really... Justin was so right in what he did and said and obviously let her know how inappropriate she was being and I love how she just is refusing to believe it and then I also fair play to Maz for standing up to Jasmine being like you've totally threatened any of my babysitting duties and then I found it interesting what Jasmine said about Robbo wouldn't want Grace in danger and I'm not going to apologise for honouring him so you can see why she's thinking this way and gone this direction but then when some stuff starts coming out like I love her that baby like she's my own it's like mm, you kind of think it's your own but then when she comes knocking looking for Tori and Justin's like Grace and Tori have had no one on one so you just need to respect their space which is totally fair enough. And Jasmine needs to learn to stop. If people are asking you, stop hanging out with my baby. That's, you kind of have to respect that. And no one's trying to forget what she did between um, when she minded Grace while Tori was in that coma. No one is forgetting that. But it's also like, you don't have any boundaries. And what I really find weird about this whole thing, and I'd love to know why they did it. It's such a burning question. Why isn't Tori in this? Why, like you only hear her on the phone. Maybe the actress was like sick for the day and you're seeing it through the family's eyes, like Leah and Justin and then Marilyn. But like, why isn't Tori being like, where's my baby? And then maybe, the only reason I can think that they wouldn't include Tori in that is that they didn't want to turn it into, you've kidnapped my baby. So then maybe it dilutes it because this storyline might continue, if that makes sense. But I just don't know what direction they're going to take it because she's going around telling um, Irene, like, don't patronise me and you're not backing me. So the wheels are totally coming off and she doesn't care because now she's losing everything. And like, and the way Colby is stepping in to help her is good. She's able to be really open with Colby and that's, you can kind of get an insight into what she's thinking. But as Irene says, she's not thinking. But then Colby is totally taking on Jasmine's problems. Jasmine is just filling the Bella hole that is left in Colby's life. So when Colby decides to have his certificate of failure divorce party, it was only going to go one way. Obviously, the two loose cannons decide to get hella drunk and then they're kind of being babysat by D- Dean and Willow. And sorry, Willow, you're going to a party. Can you get out of your stupid work clothes? She's always in her work clothes. You never not see her in her work clothes. You don't work every day and you're going to a party. Like, I know there's only four people at the party, but would you not have changed out of your shorts and singlet? It's it's very strange. Now, I know they weren't really drinking, but still, you knew you were going to a party. The kiss was coming a mile off from all the like, oh, dance with me. And Jasmine has just pressed the self-destruct button and it's good that Willow got an insight into it by going to go get the pizzas, by talking to Irene and Salt. But I kind of found, so the next day when they're both like dying with the fear, I didn't see the direction that Dean would take. So he starts to deliver some really big home truths to Colby. And like... Kick him while he's down. I just mean on a hangover nobody wants to hear all this stuff. 
like when he's talking about you pulled the trigger on Ross and you dragged me into your mess. You don't deserve what I've got. You need to own your mistakes. And Mac dodged a bullet. While it is tough love and it's what Colby needs and he can only probably receive it now that Bella's gone and he has time to work on himself. But there is also this kind of like... Dean, like, don't give out to him while you're saying this. It's, it's like just Dean seems like really fed up and he's not talking to him like a friend. So I just really wouldn't be on, like to be on the receiving end of that. And I understand how Dean would be hurt by a comment like, oh, uh, your life is a bed of roses since meeting Ziggy and like, I want that kind of thing. And Dean is like, well, that's probably a bit insulting you saying that. But still, I just think it's way harsh. And I feel, I've just felt really bad for Colby. So I do hope Dean apologises. But he does have a point like your divorce isn't everyone else's problem. Like it's your problem. It's definitely going to jolt Colby out of his moods. But I don't understand with Colby. Like he's so much of his own stuff to work on. Why why does he help so many other women particularly? He seems to just throw himself into things. And it's probably so he doesn't have to deal with his own stuff. But I would certainly like if Colby cared as much about my life as he does about Bella's or Jasmine's like that's amazing but anyway back to Jasmine I am so excited to find out where the story is going and I am even more excited to find out what's going to happen when Jasmine is eventually allowed to see Tori and what Tori is going to have to say about it and when they finally have to confront each other and how inappropriate all of that was and how the fact that she's still so defensive over what she did and how she doesn't see what was wrong and how she doesn't see that it's not really your call to make, Jasmine. It really isn't. Oh, can't wait. I just can't wait. I'm living for this storyline. It's just, it's my favourite one now in a while, as you can probably tell from my excitement. But I just love, it's such a new take on probably a repeated enough storyline not just in Home and Away, in a lot of things, but it's, I just love how we're kind of slowly seeping and submerging into this mindset of Jasmine and the kind of the sensitivity that you have to give her, but also how unbelievably wrong it is. And I just can't wait. But also Jasmine was so creepy when she's feeding Grace and she's like, oh, it's like old times and Grace is so settled here because she feels like her dad is around her when she's here. And then that, deal thing she was talking about Colby and you could tell Colby was like what are you talking about oh it's just so creepy I love it but now moving on to John and Maz delighted to see that they had the heart to heart at Salt and John delivering some amazing comfort and support to Maz saying that the Prados wouldn't be there without you you should be proud of yourself and the fact that he's owning and reflecting on his mistakes and taking ownership of them. So my fingers, toes, eyes are crossed to see if they can get back together. Because one couple that don't really look like they're getting back together, which I say with a heavy heart, is Maggie and Ben. So big week for Ben. So we had the relentless pressure from Maggie to get them to sort it out. They have the dinner at Salt where Ben leaves basically before the food arrives and he says, I can't do just normal chit-chat. And she's like, yell at me. And it's like, no. And then it forces him to OD on his meds. So the cocktail of antidepressant pills and headache tablets didn't work well. Bit of touch and go there in the hospital. And Tori saying like he could have nearly died, like it did get very serious. So I... (laughs) 
I was kind of thinking like, oh, is this, this could be the reason for them to get back together. He's vulnerable in hospital. She's by his side and won't leave. But no, the wall is well and truly up. And every time Maggie enters the room, he just freezes. So, and even when like Maggie sent Ziggy home and she's like, no, 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 I got this. Don't you worry. And it's like, that's not the method that Ben needs. Ben needs to like lick his wounds and think about healing. He does not need you sitting on him and like demanding forgiveness. And I just think Maggie's playing this all wrong. You've got, you're about to let go of this big, tall, beautiful Ben and her impatience is driving me nuts. And I think she thinks she's like proving herself by never leaving the hospital. And she can't read the room and go, no, I need to give him some space. And like he he basically just OD'd on antidepressants because of all the harm you were causing. So would you not think to just give him a bit of a leeway? And she's just being so pushy. And she's like, I can't believe you don't want to try. And like, you know how sorry I am. We are so fresh. You have just done this, Maggie. He's only just found out. Can't you not understand that he needs a bit of time? And she's like, but this is our marriage. And then going on, like, how much longer? Like, I've said I'm sorry. And the bit where he's like how many times do you want to say sorry and then Ben's like uh, one for every year of betrayal I was like boom cheesy Ben but I love it boom yes because like you just need to bugger off Maggie like give him some time and the ultimatum oh another great move Maggie I've done everything so either we move on or we don't I'm just so I really want them to work and they've been through so much she had cancer not too long ago they've been together for ages they've raised two beautiful daughters but they're not, she's just really going about it the wrong way and not thinking about him at all. She's kind of just going, oh, I want this problem to be over a little bit. And her block nose is continuing. Thankfully, as we were talking about last week, the facial expressions have kind of stopped. She's kind of unfurled her face, but there, was, there wasn't a lot of like a, forgive me. Uh, so at least that has stopped, much to my dismay though, because I really was enjoying them. But she seems to be a bit more serious. Hopefully Rue is going to advise her further and that will kind of stop because it's just too much. Ben is too sensitive. Do you not know who you married? (laughs) And, well, speaking of marriages, uh, Miss Irene Roberts planted the proposal seed into Leah's head and that went wrong. I find that so funny. Leah, back in your box. He wasn't trying to propose to you. Justin just wanted some business advice. And I just love how mortified she was. It was amazing. And I love how she's like, Donald Trump hasn't been as married as many times as I have. And I do like the way they had a dig about that. And, oh no, I can't believe you're crushed that I've said no to your proposal. And I love also how she said, oh, I'm going to be overthinking this for the rest of my life. I just love it. It was brilliant. And they were obviously going to sort it out, but it was just great. But it's kind of nice to know the playing. I think they that was obviously created to know the playing field was like, are they going to get engaged? A few theories that were emailed into me about is this, and especially with all their sexy time that's going on and their very obvious sexy scenes that are going in there. Does this mean that maybe a baby is in their future? I don't know. I really don't know. I think they like to make it well known that... Leah is like younger. Um, I believe she's 43 in the show. Like Justin's definitely like mid 30s, but they don't really address that. So I feel like they're trying to incorporate the sexy scenes to 
make her appear younger. But I don't know if a baby would be on their cards. That would mean VJ would have a sibling who's like 23 or four years younger than him. Crazy. And then speaking of keeping things steamy in Summer Bay, we had the beautiful, the amazing rugby montage from the Parada. So Tane and Nikau were splashing about showing off their New Zealander rugby skills in the water. I was all about it. I would have appreciated 30 minutes of that. I'll settle for the three that they gave me or the 30 seconds felt way longer. Um, How gorgeous. And I don't think we've had one of those like sexy montages since the Braxton days. So I am all about this. I'm starting to fancy Tane a bit more, but I I hate that I fancy Nick because he's just so young, but I just love how cheeky he is. But anyway, before the sexy swim, we had Nick running off to Sydney to go talk to Tane, twist his arm to spend the night. I love how much he Tane scares Ryder. It's amazing. And when Ryder squeals to him and tells him what's actually going on, does Nick a favour. But then I found it kind of weird. So Nick is like, oh, I'm going to stay here in Sydney. So thanks for the ride and all see you later and like this goodbye to Ryder and it's like sorry that is a terrible way to say goodbye to your friend I just thought that was weird anyway then Ryder gets back and he squirms so much when Ari is trying to confront him and it's just so funny I just Ryder is such a little weasel in every form of his life and this was no different but then when Tane arrives on the beach we've got a punch up and Tane's trying to come in and save the day and Ari's made feel then that he's not doing enough for the family and he's obviously very sensitive about that but I I want to like Tane and I want to trust him but where is he getting all this money? Where is he getting and then like Ari obviously hates him for a reason so like is it drug money? And like I feel like it can't be drug money because that was Brax and that's too similar and I feel like he's hardly going to go and get himself arrested and he's not that he's not as charming as Brax is or was to be doing like business deals and stuff like that. So I'm really kind of interested to see where that's going. And I felt really sorry for Maz then when they're asking, when they're asking her, can Tane stay the night? She's so tiny in comparison to Tane and all of them. And like, of course she had to say yes. I'm sure she's regretting it now because of the ructions it caused with Jasmine and Tori. But it's not like she really had a choice. But anyway, Ari seems to really think that Tane's a bad guy. They have another fight. Matt can't even get them to see sense. So, I don't know. And now Tane's trying to flirt with her as well. But I really loved Maz sneaking out in the morning and just wanting to get out of the house. It was like, I felt like the Paradas were kind of pushing it there. Tane is definitely here to say, but hopefully it is not on Maz's couch. Much to Ari's disapproval. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. I'm getting a bit tired now of the brotherly fighting so hopefully that won't be continuing because there's only so many punching bust-ups that can happen on the, on the beach in any given week. So hopefully they'll come to some kind of a... This is what usually happens. Like, you know, they come hating each other and then they grow to love each other and you're kind of part of the journey with them. But that about wraps it up for me this week. I have got a bonus episode for you where I chatted to TV producer extraordinaire Mr. Trevor Keegan who worked on a TV show for RTE which was Vogue Does Home and Away and where Vogue Williams went down to Summer Bay and explored the relationship that Ireland has with 
the home and away and she does acting classes she does surf lessons she meets Marilyn and Irene they did it for the 25th anniversary of home and away uh, a good like, six or seven years ago now so I talk with Trevor all about what it was like to make it how he and his team got it over the line and what it was like to film down there and we kind of get a little behind the scenes look so do have a listen if it tickles your fancy you don't really have to have seen the show you might remember it it'll just give you a nice little behind the scenes look of our dearly beloved Summer Bay but I'll be back next week with more trials and more tribulations from Summer Bay if you like what you hear hit subscribe and if you've got a second rate and review but zero pressure good day and I'll talk to you next week